Hello and welcome to Stat Chat. I am Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball. And I am currently quarantined up here in Hamilton, New York, like I'm sure the rest of you are in whatever location you're currently in. We have uh, some unique circumstances here. Hopefully everyone's safe out there, but uh, I always complain about not having enough time to put these on and it looks like we're going to have some time here. So I, I'm going to try and get a couple couple more out over these next couple weeks and hopefully this thing kind of dies down. But um, right now we're just in the beginning of it. So a lot of questions. No one knows really how long this is going to last. So hopefully I can pass the time with a couple stat chats here. This one today is uh, uh, the guest and I go way back. We played against each other, you know, about 20 years ago, and he's coached at my alma mater and now is obviously at Brown University for a number of years. Um, Mike Martin is someone I have a great deal of respect for. I think he's really smart. If you ever get a chance to spend some time with him, you'll, you'll pick that up right away. Uh, we seem to have similar uh, mindsets and approaches to, to how we do things. He's a, a, an analytical guy, and we talk often about recruits we're both looking at or one of us is and the other isn't, and uh, it's always great to hear his perspective. So this was an extended period of that, and it was um, uh, great to hear, and I'm sure you will enjoy it as well. So without further ado, hope you enjoy. To Stat Chat, uh, today – we have uh, some different circumstances um, across the country, but I am thrilled to have um, a guy that I played against back in the day and now is a coach in the Ivy League uh, for the Brown Bears. He also coached at Penn for a little bit and returned back to his alma mater, Brown, in 2012-2013. Uh, Mike Martin, welcome to the show. How's it going out there for you? Dave, it's going great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I was afraid you'd bring up that you uh, that we played against each other because I don't know if we ever beat you. Is that right? Oh, I, I guess I. Uh, no, we did. About that. We did. <laughs> we, you know what? We did my freshman year. But I'll tell you what. You're one of the biggest. You, along with all your teammates, are, are, are some of the biggest reasons why. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we didn't play against the tournament because, as as you know, we had some pretty good teams at Brown. But unfortunately, yeah. Uh, the Quakers kept us uh, kept us in second place multiple times. We did have some battles back then. Those were uh, those were some fun times. Um, long time ago now, so uh, not too important for everybody else. But obviously, we we still talk about it. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I wanted to start off just by asking you. Um, obviously, we're, we're we're taping this during probably you know day five to seven of coronavirus uh, quarantines. Um, what exactly are you, I'm not sure how to ask that, how are you handling this with your team and what can a coach in your position or any position be doing at this point to, to help them? You know, not, not as far as help them, you know, health-wise, obviously that's number one, but um, just everything else that we can't be on the court with them. How are you approaching this from, uh, from your point of view? Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's interesting, obviously, um, and you know the, the the first thing, like you said, is is making sure they're safe and they're healthy. Uh, you know, one one of the biggest uh, responsibilities early on was making sure everybody had, uh, you know, the the ability to go home, uh, to leave campus. Uh, the university, you know, uh, wanted all students off campus by this past Tuesday, so. 
uh, making sure they were all set for that, uh, that they were, uh, able to go home and, and, uh, you know, get there, um, safely. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest things, as you know, as a coach, you know, you like to see your guys every day. You like to be around them. You like to, even if you're, it's not during the season, you like to just see them and feel them and talk to them. And, uh, you know, we don't have that uh, opportunity, you know, so we're, as a staff, uh, trying to stay in touch with our guys as much as we can. Uh, we will do some, you know, some Zoom videos next week, uh, that will take place of what, what would have been our year end meetings with guys, you know, player, individual player meetings. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, thinking about them and, uh, you know, uh, want to, uh, make sure they're, they're safe and healthy and, you know, certainly miss them. Yeah, for sure. And we're kind of battling that too. The season um, kind of ended so abruptly, and I'm not sure if you guys have a feeling you're probably slated to play in one of the postseason tournaments, um, and then that obviously got taken away, and we we obviously had the same thing. Um, so it's weird because we're kind of in that still like that seven to ten day period where we wouldn't be doing a whole lot with our players, and now we're as a staff, same thing, trying to figure out. You know, number one, make sure they're safe, and I, I feel like their age is, is low risk for this. So, you know, the next step then is, okay, well, how are we going to get better um, without seeing them, without being on the court? And we're, you know, throwing out ideas, and, you know, we might have some sort of, uh, you know, articles and, and, and ways to just talk basketball or a book about culture and, and have them post different things, almost like a class. Um, or something along the line, something like that. And we're, you know, cause I don't even know if a lot of our guys are going to have access to a gym. So at this time, we've used the spring to really get better on the court. And, and some guys, uh, you know, with everything shut down, it's, it's not like you can just call someone and say, uh, hey, can, can you work out there? Because it's, <laughs> we're going to be on lockdown. So uh, that's going to be an interesting thing about how the players all, kind of take this and, and what they can do um, to get better uh, without having the access or the, the uh, amenities that they usually would have over the next two months. So it, it'll be interesting um, to see to see what happens. Um, but uh, moving on from that, now we can uh, kind of get into a little bit more um, of what you guys do. And I, I want to first start with kind of just what in practice you guys track or stat if there's anything or, or give us kind of a breakdown of what your practice looks like. And, and this is more kind of preseason because I imagine once the season starts, it's probably a little bit less. But um, what are the things you guys are looking at and, and kind of focusing on? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, I think like most staffs, we're always stealing uh, any good ideas that we hear or read about or, or, or uh, talk to other people about. Uh, so the first thing we do is, um, you know, what Kyle Smith and his staff at now Washington State, uh, formerly USF and Columbia, and obviously I know you're very close with Kevin Hubby, who's the associate head coach at USF, and I've talked to Kevin about it, is uh, we chart, um, they call them their hustle stats. You know, we call them our winning stats. Uh, every five-on-five possession in practice, offensively and defensively, uh, you know, we – we chart those, and that's a huge part of our preseason before games start. Even, you know, one, while games are being played in the non-conference, we're still, you know, keeping track of our, our winning stats and, 
it's one of, um, you know, a few different data points that we tell our guys. And it's the truth that, you know, we helps decide who plays. So we have our, uh, our winning stats, which are, you know, um, you know, based on production in practice, but also execution of, you know, uh, what you're supposed to be doing on each possession offensively and defensively. Uh, did you miss a box out? Did you crash the offensive glass if you're an offensive rebounder? Uh, did you uh, execute a certain play or make a, uh, a drawn kick, uh, extra pass? All, there's about 40 different categories, again, that we, we stole from, from those guys. Um, we keep stats of every live three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. Uh, so um, traditional box score stats, we like to – you know, we like to keep those. Uh, we think that's another tool, and especially after 100 practices, uh, you know, it, it's a good indicator of who's, you know, producing well in practice. Um, you know, we think that's important. Uh, you know, we also keep track every shooting drill we do uh, of our players, their makes and their attempts. And, you know, we have some favorite shooting drills that we do every day, but, uh, you know, that, that's something else that we're, we're charting in, in every practice we do. So, um, you know, we think the film obviously tells a, a ton and the numbers uh, back up what we see on film. So uh, we always tell the guys, you know, who, who's out there uh, when it's game time is decided by you. Um, you know, and, and, you know, these are a lot, some of the different data points that we use to uh, to decide who should play. Okay, that was, that was a lot to digest. I'm going to try and uh, go back and then work through it. Um, so I, I love that you call it the winning stats um, as opposed to the hustle stats because, Every time I hear the word hustle stats, I immediately think of like jumping on the floor. You know, now that I know they're not, but um, winning stats I think encompasses um, what you're trying to capture better. And I'll have to bring that up with uh, Coach Hubby about branding <laughs> of. of uh, <laughs> although I think I have it copyrighted, so I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about like things that you're supposed to do or not do. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail? You mentioned uh, rebounding. I guess let's start with the defensive stuff. Like, can you give me some specific examples on the defensive end? We'll come to offense in a second of of exactly what you mean and how it's graded. And is there a point total or a, like not the exact? You don't have to give us the exact, but like how um, how is it graded? And, and what are some things that you guys look for on the defensive side? Yeah, so, so like everything is given a point total and then we divide your total points by the amount of possessions you played offensively and defensively in that practice. So it's a, it's a point per possession, uh, kind of running total that we'll do and we'll compare guards with wings and front court players and, and we post it in the locker room every day, you know, who's at the top of the winning stats board and, Again, this is all from Kyle and his staff, but, uh, right. an example, an example would be, and, and I think you, 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 you think about what you want in your winning stats based on what you really value as a program, right? So what, what is really important to you, uh, may be different than those guys. So you, maybe your, your winning stats key looks differently, but, uh, you know, you can get, you know, a positive if you take a charge, you can get a positive, uh, if you, you know, uh, get a steal or a block shot or a defensive rebound. Uh, you can get a positive on the defensive end of the court if you box out or at least check to box out because sometimes you may be a guard and you may be guarding someone who's not crashing, but you have to at least check the box out. You can get a negative defensively if uh, you have, you know, the wrong, you know, ball screen coverage. If you have, 
if you get blown by, if you make an error in defensive transition, if you allow a post catch, if you don't box out, um, if you foul, right? Um, if you, uh, you know, are out of position, you know, when we're supposed to be rotating. So those are some of the examples defensively, how you can help yourself and, and conversely, how you can hurt yourself. I want to talk a little bit about defensive transition because I think, um, I think it's really hard to teach. I think because, um, when it happens in practice, usually it happens so fast that as a coach, you might miss why, uh, something happened. Whereas in the half court offense or defense, you, it, it's just a little slower and you, you see it so much. How, how are you teaching defensive transition and what, um, I guess I'll start with that. How are you teaching defensive transition? Yeah, so for us, defensive transition is about uh, your floor balance. Uh, you know, we have to have certain guys. Uh, you know, it starts with, you know, what you're doing on offense. So uh, we need to make sure that we have proper floor balance when the shot goes up. We have guys that we determine are, are crashers at the offensive end, and we have other guys who are our back guys. So, like, if, if I take a shot, um, then there's four other guys on the court. Usually there'll be two crashers and two back guys. Uh, when I take a shot, the crashers need to crash. The back guys need to get back. So our defensive transition starts with, you know, our offensive, uh, floor balance, obviously shot selection, take care of basketball. Um, but then we, you know, we want to make sure we have within our two back guys, we want a halfback who picks the ball up as it comes over half court. We have a fullback who's kind of protecting the paint until, the crashers can get back and hopefully kick them out to certain matchups. You know, like most people, we talk about uh, not having a specific man in transition. The most important things are the ball, the paint, and then, you know, what's most threatening. You know, usually what's very threatening is the the two guys uh, one pass away in transition. So can we guard the ball? Can we guard the paint? And can we find what's most threatening until we can get back to hopefully a five-on-five situation? Uh you know, great shooters are, are really threatening in transition too. So if we're playing against teams that have great shooters, we talk about that. Um, and, and ultimately we want to be good in scrambles, good in rotation. So, you know, we can force the offense to make one more pass and then one more pass and one more pass until we, uh, get back to a five on five. So the floor balance obviously is really important and, um, you know, I, I imagine you dock points if you're don't do uh if you don't probably floor balance back. Like if you're a crasher and you make the choice to get back. I mean obviously um you know I you know I think you know how I feel about offensive rebound. I think it's really important. Um but so yeah, you get you get dock points if you don't get back correctly, like if you're in the corner, shot goes and you just watch and I'm guessing that's minus whatever for you guys. Yeah, so you don't want to be in no man's land, right? So if you're a crasher, we want you to try to, you know, get two feet in the paint if possible by the time the ball hits the rim or at least make an attempt to uh, don't stop just because somebody gets a body in front of you. Uh, if you're a back guy, we don't want you to just kind of, like you said, Dave, stand in the corner while your teammate shoots and look at it. We want you to get back to the top of the key, you know, maybe be ready for a long rebound, maybe be ready for, uh, you know, a kick out three if, you're off, if your teammate gets a, uh, offensive rebound, but also be in position where you're uh, closer to being able to run back if the shot doesn't go in or if it does go in and the defense is now coming at you in transition. So you can lose points by, 
you know, the, the first part is, you know, when the shot goes up, are you doing your job? Are you, if you're a crasher, yep. are you crashing? If you're a back, are you getting back? And there's positives and negatives for that. Uh, and then in defensive transition, yeah, if you're the halfback and you're supposed to pick the ball up as it comes over half court and you don't pick it up, you know, high enough or you don't try to get it to a side, if you're the fullback and, you know, you're worried about, you know, uh, somebody who is not in the paint before the paint is secure, you can lose points. Uh, so that, those are some of the examples of defensive transition errors. Yeah, I, I like what you said. I mean, obviously you guys have your wording of fullback and halfback, but I think um, what what I try and what we try and emphasize and what you said that I think is so important is locating threats. So as you get back, you, you got to locate threats. If you're back alone, the threat is a layup because you got to get all the way back to, you know, defend a two-on-one, one-on-one, three-on-one. Uh, as you get more guys back with you, it's finding that shooter or find, making sure that you're, if you're the last guy back, nobody gets behind you. And what we struggle with, and, and our transition defense is pretty good and has been over the last couple of years, but still, like, what we struggle with in teaching is the the mentality to run to yours. So you see it a lot with bigs when they're a little bit behind the play and they just run to get to their man. And we sometimes have guys that are have their man and the communication is like, get the top, like get the, like a, that softly. And when a big man's running back, they're not going to pay attention to that. And I think a lot of it is feel from both players on like, can the big get back and I get out to the furthest guy and no harm done? Or do I need him to go get my man? Because if I leave, they're going to get a layup. So I think that that's uh, I don't. Do you guys penalize for that, or is there a way? Uh, do you have a way to teach that, or, or is there drills? You or I guess some drills that maybe you guys use to to focus on those things where you you kind of have to make a decision. It's not like a clear cut um, play. The big falls down or, or is in the layup, and the, you know so, something like that. Yes. Yeah, so the answer is yes. We do we we do penalize. We do struggle with that, just like you know you talk about. I mean, especially. This year was a unique team for us. We had we had a lot of kind of, uh, and I guess it was it, it was uh, we had uh, we had some some pretty good uh, you know offensive players who you know it was interesting to see who the opponent was going to match them up with, and as a result, it seemed like we had a lot of cross matches a lot of times. So like you know, are we worried about getting back to our man, or are we more like you said, are we trying to locate what's most threatening in, in transition? Uh, you know, we, we like most, I think when you have a, a five man who's just so used to running back to his man in the paint, the trail three, if the guard's holding down his guy, or if maybe the, one of the wings is, is holding down the, the, the rim runner, you know, that trail three gives us a lot of, you know, can give us, um, you know, some issues, especially when our five is really just focused on getting back to his, um, we do four on three scramble drills pretty much every day. Uh, a lot of it's tied into how we guard ball screens. We have to be a good scramble team. We have to be a good, uh, rotation team. To me, again, so much of transition defense is if you have the right floor balance, if you do have guys doing their jobs, you still have to, you know, a lot of times be a pretty good scramble team and a good rotation team. So, you know, we think some of just our half court scramble drills are good to help with defensive transition to get us talking, to get us you know, thinking about what's most threatening if I'm, you know, if my teammates guarding the ball and there's two guys that are open, 
you know, what's more threatening and, you know, I got to make the right decision. Maybe the guy who's closest to the ball, maybe the guy who's a great shooter, you know, things like that. So, um, and then we can, you know, we can build a four on three into a five on four into a five on five, which, you know, I think most people do, do those, you know, for transition defense drills, but there's no question. We, we struggle with a lot of the same things you're talking about. Um, you know, we do think the film, the points, uh, the drills, you know, help, hopefully help us improve and help our guys understand what's the right decision to make. But I think, like you said, again, so much of it is feel. Uh, so much of having a good feel, I think, comes from experience and having mature players and guys who've been in that situation yep. before. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I like to watch film with guys. Uh, and obviously in film, you can basically put it in slow-mo and I'll be, and I'll stop it like right at the point that's, you know, you can see it, but sometimes in fast motion you can. And I'll be like, what do you want to happen here? Who should go to who? And just have them talk it out with me. And I don't know if it works or not. I, I feel like when you slow it down and they see it, it, it kind of makes sense. And like you said, over time, uh, just like anything, I think you're going to get better at it. But, uh, but that's one of the, the tools that we use is, you know, it's practice or a game, those transition opportunities and kind of slowing it down to see. Because when it happens fast, if you're young or you don't have the feel, you, you screw it up sometimes. And and, uh, and I think that, that practice can help it. But I've always it, – it's hard to practice transition all the time because it's tiring. Like, if you just did all yeah. transition drills, like, your team is just going to be – especially in season, um, you know, obviously it's a little bit different than the Ivies where you have three or four days before you play, but we have basically two days between games and it's difficult to really crush them to do a lot of transition drills. So you gotta, you gotta pick and choose when you can do your transition drills. Um, but I, I really like, um, and I feel pretty strongly about this, that if you're a good scrambling team, you're going to be pretty good on defense because that means that you're comfortable being uncomfortable, essentially. You know, if you get a four on three or four on two, five on three, you've done it so many times that you know certain ways to to disrupt. And and those, if you can stop teams when they have those advantages, you're going to be pretty good because then you can be a little bit more aggressive either on the ball or off the ball and not freak out when, you know, somebody gets a half a step on somebody and you're, you know, five on four and a half or four on three and a half or something like that. Um, so th- that's uh, definitely something we work on, and it sounds like you guys uh, work on uh, a lot, um, which is encouraging to hear. Um, now yeah, I want to no go question. back. Um, and and I, I, I was just 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 one thing. Like, and we all have said it to our teams, and it's true. And you know, if you're doing a four on three drill, you know, you have no chance if you don't obviously give great effort. But you also have no chance if you don't talk. And you know, then. If you have, if you do those things, then you have a chance. Then you have to try to, you know, make the right decisions and, you know, use that communication, use that effort to, again, just get the offense to make one more pass, one more pass, one more pass. So to your point, like doing those drills, uh, you want to be a great defensive team. You better talk. You better play really hard. You have great, great effort. And then you got to make the right decisions in certain instances. So. Uh, yeah. What, Sorry to you cut have, you off um, one. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's, that's fine. Um, you mentioned, uh, can you just give us one example of a four on three drill? You said you do it a lot with ball screens. It's just one example of how you structure your four on three drill. 
Yeah, so like one thing we do, and and I, I think I saw uh, Danny Hurley do this at, at UConn, and we we took it from him. But it's just our defensive warm up. Warm up. We start with you know two line closeouts, and we build into you know, different situations, and we get to four on three, and we have three guys under the basket, and they throw the ball out to actually four coaches, you know, and it keeps our coaching staff engaged and a little bit young. But we, uh, you know, they'll they'll close out and 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 you know force us to you know, make the next pass, make the next pass. And, you know, the baseline is filled with their teammates and they're giving good energy. And eventually it builds to four on four and we can get some shell concepts in there. But you know, that, that's one. We do a four on three to five on four with a short shot clock, right? So it's just, um, you know, really the four on three drills are, you know, what you've seen four guys on the perimeter, but we try to do it with a, a shorter shot clock and, you know, uh, See if the defense can get a uh, get a point for a stop uh, when we go live, players versus players. Nice, great. And, and when when the coaches are out there, is it are you able are you allowed to drive, or is it mostly just the rotations <laughs> on on passes? Most of it's just passes, and then uh, you know TJ and myself getting some shots up to uh, see if we can. <laughs> of course, uh, <laughs> of course, see if we can make a couple shots. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's part of our warm up. It's part of our defensive warm up. Okay, now now moving a little bit over to offense. Um, uh, I'm going to come back to defense in a little bit because I want to talk about your numbers this year. But um, you talked about some of the decisions and execution um, counting for points offensively. Can you give me an example of something specific in that regard? Yeah, so you score more points on offense. Usually, like, there's less opportunity to score points on defense. Again, uh, unless, like like I said, you draw a charge, you get a steal, you block a shot, you get a defensive rebound. On offense, you get a chance to score, you know, more points. You know, just, you know, if you make a shot, it's worth, you know, uh, two points. If you make a three, it's worth three. If you, you know, and, and so is the actual point. So, like, if you score ten points in a practice, then, you know, that's, that's worth points. If you miss shots, you can lose points. Uh, if you... Uh, you know, mess up kind of a, a play or you, you don't make the right cut or the set the right screen, you can lose points. If you bobble pass, you can lose points. If you turn the ball over, you can lose points. You can score points, but you know, with assists, with offensive rebounds, uh, with good crashes, uh, by throwing the ball in the post, by throwing the ball out of the post, by penetrating and kicking it out, making an extra pass, uh, a hockey assist. Getting fouled. And these are all uh, just like those things are all whether like process, right? Like not if the shot goes. Like if you drive any kick out, does it matter if they shoot the ball or you, you're getting a point regardless from that? You're getting a point regardless. And, and again, this is these are you know through conversations with Kevin, you know, tried to figure out what what makes the most sense for us. But you know, to me, if if I make a good pass uh, off of dribble penetration or a skip versus a help defense or a post entry. We think that's good for our offense, so we want to, you know, we want to encourage that. We want to promote it, and uh, we want to reward the guys that do it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I guess the next question is, how do you stack this? So, um, you know, the actual execution of it—is it, is it managers or is it you? Is it the assistants? How are you guys actually doing this with a staff of, I'm guessing. Four coaches and one ops, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, we don't have our managers or our grads, our grad uh, assistants. Uh, unfortunately, we we don't we don't have them to do it. But so 
you know, it's after every practice, whether it's the night after practice or the morning, you know, the next day. Uh, usually we have a couple guys that do defense and a couple coaches on staff that do offense. And, uh, again, you know, we watch film of every practice anyways. Uh, this is, it's a little more time consuming, Dave, obviously, but, you know, we think it's important and especially early in the year, we think it's such an important tool to help our team get better and to, to figure out you know, who, who should be on the court, who, who's helping us win, right? Who's helping our team get better. So sure. yeah. uh, we think it's time well spent. And uh, so it's a, it's a coach that, that is doing it uh, after every practice. And in roughly how long does that take um, each individual? So we only do these winning stats again during five on five live play. So I think, I got, I guess it depends on the practice. It depends on how you structure your practice. We, you know, we have, you know, uh, a good amount of five-on-five, five, uh, I would say, in our practices. But, you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to put a number on how long it would take to, you know, you're watching film anyways. Uh, so it's probably a little longer because you're charting it. But um, I think it's, like I said, we're watching the film anyways. It's just, it's part of what we think is really important to help get our team as good as we can get so so like the the length of the practice or the length of the five on five i i mean um i think kevin and their staff said it takes about 60 to 90 minutes per day per guy is is that kind of team around the same or are you guys doing more than that or less than that is that accurate I would say it's accurate. Yeah, it's, you know, if you practice for two hours and you're doing, uh, you know, 40 minutes of uh, live um, yeah. five on five, then, you know, I, th- I think that's, you know, um, yeah, it's probably it's probably going to be an additional uh, hour to an hour and a half uh, that you got to, you know, devote to, to be able to do this. But again, we we usually have one guy doing the offense, one guy doing the defense, and, and we can, you know, we can, uh, you know, with four guys, we can uh, split it up. So we have a couple guys that usually watch the offense, a couple guys usually watch the defense. How, how many years have you been doing this for? Uh, Steven Spieth, uh, his senior year was our first year. So uh, that would have been 2016, 2017. So we've done it the last four years. And, I know Kyle used to always talk about how how much it helped their rebounding numbers uh, when you know going back to when he was at St. Mary's yep. with, with with Coach Bennett and they thought that this was a a big part of their improvement. Um, yeah, and and you know we we've seen some improvement definitely, especially this year with our offensive rebounding. Part of that I think is who you recruit, right? You know, uh, yep. Our, yep, our offensive rebounding numbers I think are are good. We promote this, but we also have recruited some guys who can go get the ball. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been really good for us. It's something that we, we value, and I think our players have bought, bought into it. Is there any tweaks or changes in those four years that you've made in just like, you know what, I value this more, we need to do this more, let me just add another point or add another category uh, or have you just kind of stayed kind of consistent with how you started it just to have something to compare it to? Yeah, we tweaked maybe just the amount of points you should get for a, a certain thing. Uh, our categories have kind of stayed what they were. We put put a lot of thought into it after, you know, uh, you know when we initially decided to go with it. And, 
you know, we, we've, we've tweaked maybe the point values that you can gain or lose uh, from year to year. So is there, like, any specific category that, like, which specific category was that that you might have valued more or less after kind of doing it for a year or so? Yeah, so, like, uh, sometimes, like, um, you know, when we first started, uh, can you get two feet in the paint every time uh, the, the shot goes up? Uh, that was worth, I think, maybe one uh, for an offensive rebounder for a crasher. You know, we think it's 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 really important, and we want to uh, improve our offensive rebound, and we want our guys to understand how important that is. Uh, so if you get two feet in the paint when the ball hits the rim, uh, regardless of whether you get the rebound or not, you get plus two now. Um, mm. So, like, it's it's tilted more, so, like, you're going to see higher numbers for front court guys than you are for guards. Uh, and I know that's something Kevin and I talked about, so we do – uh, sort the leaderboard based on position, you know, because if yeah, I'm a crasher, yeah. you know, if I'm a crasher, if I'm a, a guy who's got to get to the glass every time, you know, I get rewarded a little bit more than a guy who's just got to get back. If you're a back guy, you really, you can only lose points if you don't get back. Does that make sense? Right. So you got to compare apples to apples. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and now, now the, uh, the question I always ask these, uh, people that do these winning and hustle stats is how accurate, I guess accurate is the wrong word, how um, your leaderboard, does it represent the guys that, one, you thought it would, and two, the guys that you are playing the majority of the minutes? Yeah, because uh, there's there's also the element where if you're just a guy who gets a lot of rebounds, scores a lot of points, has a lot of assists, blocks a lot of shots, like it's not just did you dive on the floor for a loose ball or did you run the play the right way. If you make a great cut, that's going to help you out. You set a great screen, that's going to help you out. But it, I think it it's it also rewards production. So you know, like Tamanin Cho is at the top of our you know leaderboard uh, yep. for the last couple of years because. Not only does he, you know, produce, um, but he, he does a lot of the things that we, you know, value as far as going after offensive rebounds or, uh, you know, making a good cut off a back screen or, or what have you. Were there any outliers of guys that, like, you know, um, were producing, but the rest of their winning stats were so low that they, you know, you, you kind of just had, you had to play them because they can score, they can rebound, and – uh, and at the end of the day, you're like, man, this guy's actually, you don't have to use names, obviously, but either way this goes, like, where I, that guy's actually hurting us because he's fifth or sixth, but he scores, or vice versa, where you had a guy that, like, does everything but score, and his hustle stats are real, or his winning stats are really good. Yeah, so we've had both. I think, uh, especially with young guys, um, you know, they're, 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 they may be really productive, uh, and, you know, talented and be, you know, doing a lot of really good things, but maybe their, their winning stats aren't where they need to be initially. Um, you know, that's, that's where, again, it's, it's just, it's one more thing we can use. Like our film that we watch, uh, you know, how we feel about a guy when we're coaching him live in practice and how he responds to coaching and how, effective we think he is when we watch him live, when we watch him on film, when we see his traditional box score stats, and then when we see his winning stats, those are all kind of, you know, it's all those things uh, that help figure out who should be playing. 
it's not like this is uh the end all be all but it's it's certainly right. important and and we think it's again just another thing that we can use to figure out who should be out there and how much of this – what are you doing during games now, I guess, transitioning over? Um, are you still tr- uh, tracking all the winning stats during games? Is there anything else you guys track during games? We we do after games, um, you know, but, again, it's more – it's it's more valuable for us in practice because it's it's really valuable for us uh again you know to to see who we think should be playing uh when we're playing games uh you know we we chart you know very simply um and you can obviously figure this out by looking at a halftime uh you know score, uh box score as well but we want to chart how many possessions there were in each half um you know what how many points we gave up? Obviously, you, you know, if you give up 38 points in a, you know, 30 possession half, that's that's much worse than giving up, yeah. you know, 40 points in a 48, 42 possession half. So, you know, we we, we chart that live. Um, and we go back after every game, and you know, we want to see. All right, we gave up this for our offensive or our defensive efficiency, but let's dive in a little bit deeper. How much was in transition? How much was against man to man? How much was against zone? How much was, you know, coming from, uh, out of bounds, uh, offense or defense? How much was off of, uh, you know, offensive rebounding? So, and that goes back to, you know, a, a guy that I know you know, uh, Stu Suss, you know, from Penn. I was waiting for, who, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, uh, but Stu, you know, he taught me a ton, you know, when we got down there to Penn, uh, with Coach Miller in 2006, uh, you know, um, just looking at, you know, all right, your offense gave up or your, your offense scored this, this amount of points. Um, how did, how did it get to that? You know, what was it? And you can dive deeper if you want. Was it off of motion offense versus set plays or certain actions? Uh, we've kept it, you know, pretty much the transition offense, man to man offense, zone offense and, uh, out of bounds offense. And then, you know, what's our offensive rebounding? Uh, numbers and how much, how many points are those they leading to? But um, those are some of the the things that we're charting after a game. Is this uh, so, okay? I was gonna say. So during uh, the game, what during the game you're not tracking that? You're what are you tracking? This sounds like just the possessions and the points. Yeah, and then how you know we we do track how many we gave up in transition defensively, how many we gave up in transition offensively, how many how many possessions. Did we have that resulted in a paint touch? You know, we've, you know, like most oh, people, cool. I okay. think, ha- have seen, like, the number of possessions that we have that end in a paint touch, and then what's our offensive efficiency on those possessions, as you would expect, is a pretty good difference between possessions that include a paint touch versus the ones that don't. How, how what, I mean, I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you or if you have an idea, but what what is... What do those look like? Like when you guys, let's see, offensively first, like when you guys get a paint touch um, in half-court offense, what is the difference between not getting one? Do you know, like, about the, like or close to what the difference is? Yeah, I'm pulling it up uh, right now. Um, so we have, for this season, just give me one second here. For this season, Dave, our, our totals were – um, no, I got it by game. Uh, uh, for example, when we played, when we played Penn this year in our, our uh, game at, at Brown, uh, second to last weekend of the regular season, 
the game was a 70 possession game. Uh, we had 38 possessions where we got a paint touch that led to 44 points, a 1.16 offensive efficiency. Uh, we had 32 possessions where we didn't get a paint touch and it was points, uh, 24 points for 0.75. Wow. So it was a pretty, yeah. pretty, you know, stark, uh, difference there. I'm sorry. Here we go. For the entire season, we had 11, uh, 1,104 offensive possessions that resulted in, with a paint touch for 1,218 points, uh, points per possession was 1.10. And then in the 697 possessions where we didn't get a paint touch, our efficiency was 0.72. So like, you know, we, you know, just like anything else, you know, you tell the guys all, all the time how important it is to do this. Well, you know, I like to have the numbers to back it up. Yeah, that, that's staggering difference. And you, what do you count paint touches at? Cause I've heard different, like, uh, I heard the Citadel coach draws a little, uh, hut basically and you, you pierce the dome. Um, I know Kevin had toyed around with, like, if a pass goes through the paint, that counts. What exactly is it just like the paint or is there more to it? Yeah, no, it's it's the paint and then it's fouls. You know, anytime we get fouled, even if it's a non-shooting foul outside the paint or a foul on a jump shot, if we get fouled, we 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 include that as a paint touch. But we keep it yeah you know, pretty straightforward. If if the if the the ball hit the paint or the person with the ball hit had a foot in the paint, you know, that's a paint gotcha. touch. Gotcha. Yeah, I think um you know just bringing it back to Stu Suss, it's funny you mention him because um you know as a player. There was there was just this little guy around that always used to come in at halftime and like we never talked to the team but like that's the only time we'd ever see him and so we had no idea what he was tracking and then you know as a coach he actually came up to Hamilton early early in our careers and uh, sure enough he was like you guys want me to track what I did at Penn and we we're like yeah of course <laughs> so you know at halftime he came into our office and and uh, you know broke down the the stats and basically what he does what you just said is kind of transition your opportunities offensively and defensively and and the points given up and scored and 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 then half court offense and and uh that's pretty much it so as soon as he left (laughs) we were like yeah let's start doing this so now we have uh one of our assistants uh coach coach moore he does that and he has does he do it live he does it live he does it live and i would say it's probably you know there's a couple plays here and there that are ambiguous like was that transition like they they had four guys back but the guy just kind of used a pick and roll you yep. know so there's like i would say 90 to 95 percent of it is kind of obvious and it's 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 uh really interesting to hear and i think i think it helps us because we know like oh wow our, our half court offense is killing them let's let's uh as long as we take care of the ball we'll be okay or wow we just got killed in transition why and then we'll talk about was it kind of unlucky were there big bounces or do we turn the ball over or what are we just terrible or gambling so then we can kind of you know figure out the why but the numbers like i know you, we've talked about is the numbers will verify or or not verify what you're thinking um and then or, or you can use it the other way around where you get the numbers and then you kind of can help your team figure out why those numbers are what they are so yeah we we do do it live i i don't think pat he's not um He's not an Excel guy, so I don't think he tracks it for the season. But we have it, you know, he sends it after every game a report, basically, like exactly what you said, which I think is really important, um, you know, half-court offense, possessions points. And we count fouls, like, and he separates it, which I think is nice, because fouls are really important. You know, if you get 
If yeah. you get fouled, that's kind of a successful possession, and it's and if you foul, it's an unsuccessful possession. So he'll put, you know, a, a report might look like, you know, tw- uh, 24 points in 30 possessions half court and six of eight from the free throw line. So we'll know there were 30 points in 30 possessions in that half court, and uh, and then he'll do the transition uh, baseline OB, and um, we don't really play. We played like 99% man this year, so there wasn't a whole lot of zone possessions, but he would do that as well. And uh, like I said, it's pretty accurate, and then we can always go back on film if we're not sure and, and kind of um, verify whatever it is. So, um, so Stu Suss still making his rounds. Uh, uh, well deserved. Well, in, yeah, well in deserved. the college in the college world. Um, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about your defense real quick. Um, just looking at your numbers, the last two years, you guys, uh, if I have this correctly, I think we're second in the Ivies and first in the Ivies. Um, is there any changes philosophically, or what What would you say led to that um, increase? Yeah, um, so – yeah, we, we went from really pretty bad, uh, you know, uh, defensively a couple of years prior to the last couple of years. I thought last year we were outstanding, even though we finished second in points given up per possession in league play. You know, our adjusted was uh, top 50 in the country most of the year, finished 68. Wow. Uh, this year, uh, I, I didn't think we were as good as last year, but, you know, we finished, um, you know, right there, you know, tied with Harvard, I guess, uh, for the – top in conference only defense not as not as good uh adjusted as last year but uh you know i think i think it's probably a couple things the biggest thing is we've recruited um i think i think we figured out um the right type of guys that are going to succeed you know not only at brown but you know for our our coaching uh staff and and how we you know approach every day uh we we've got um you know, so I think we learned, you know, we've learned, you know, the, the right types of guys to recruit, uh, guys with good versatility, with good athleticism, guard multiple positions, uh, who, you know, one of their biggest, uh, skills is how hard they play. You know, th- those are things that, you know, we've prioritized. We maybe have sacrificed a little bit of skill, uh, and if you look at our offensive numbers, maybe you can, you can see that, but, uh, for those other things that have helped our defense, and then how we've guarded ball screens uh, the last couple of years is, has been different uh, than what we did before. Um, and, you know, we What, what is much, that difference? What, what, what yeah, was the, how do you? We've, we've, we exclusively, with very few exceptions, uh, send every ball screen uh, left. Uh, you know, no matter where it's set, no matter who's using it, uh, who's setting it, we, we we try to send it to the to the the offensive players left, so it's diversified our coverages a little bit, Dave. But it's also simplified yep. our execution for our guys. Like they, you know, our, our communication is always the same. Um, and then you know what we need to do when you know we need to execute our ball screen coverage is pretty much the same for the guy on the ball. Uh, it can vary based on our opponent and who we're playing and, and who we have guarding the screener but um it's it's made things a little simpler for our uh for our our guys and i think that's been you know one of the biggest uh reasons why our defense has improved yeah i'm starting i'm starting to see that more and uh you know we played against carlton like they've been doing it for years dave smart exactly um and it was kind of the first time we played it we were uh 
They're like, what's going on here? Like, it's just something we hadn't seen. And it's, it's starting to get more popular. And it, it makes sense philosophically, just more guys can't go to their weekend as well or make that path back as well. Um, so it makes sense. And I, and, and I think it's something that we've discussed. Um, do you, if the ball's on the right side, so you're forcing middle essentially, you mix up what the big does, or is he always, is he at the level, is he blasting, is he, you know, dropping, or, or is it, um, dependent on, all dependent on the, the personnel? Yeah, so some of it's dependent on who we're playing against, uh, but we've been pretty aggressive. We've, we've erred towards, uh, being, being aggressive. There's some teams in our league that are really good, you know, playing against hard hedges or, you know, so, you know, we've had to adjust a little bit with that while still sending the ball left. Um, something we're looking at, uh, honestly, you know, for next season is, you know, uh, you know, should we, should we drop a little bit more because we had, the defensive player in the, of the year in the league, Jalen Ganey, who, you know, is a, a really, really good rim protector. So, you know, should yeah. we keep him in, in more? Um, so, uh, but yeah, we're, we're always sending it left. We've, we've aired on the side of being really aggressive and hard hedging it. And if it's in the middle, it's an aggressive flat kind of show. Um, and even on the other side, it's an aggressive ice. And, uh, that's why we have to, in my opinion, you know, when I talked about doing four on three drills, uh, almost every day, uh, it helps our transition, but I think we have to be so good in scrambles if we're going to be that aggressive guarding the ball screen. What about – I'm just looking at the numbers. You guys turn people over at a pretty high rate. Um, is there something – is that just the aggression, or is there – are you playing, overplaying lanes? Like, what what has led to that? Yeah, we don't overplay passing lanes. Um funny a couple you know our first few years we, we we were one of the worst in the country at turning people over maybe our first four four years and then after we graduated Cedric Quacamenta who was two-time Ivy League defensive player of the year we never had to worry about doubling anybody in the low post with him yeah. uh, after we graduated him we started uh, we thought we had to double everyone in the low post because we were a little undersized and uh you know we you know we saw our, our defensive turnover numbers skyrocket just by doubling the post and not just because we wanted to limit that great post player you know from scoring 25 but like we we found doubling the post against you know maybe not not a great post player was even better because we turned the team over so um yeah so I would pass. Say, <laughs> yeah 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 you know so but yeah i think our aggressiveness guarding the ball screens you know we, we've we've doubled the post you know not as much the last couple of years as we did Maybe in, in, uh, you know, like the first couple of years after Cedric graduated, Cedric graduated in 2016. But I think, I think our athleticism, uh, our aggressiveness in the ball screen, and then some of our post defense has led to us being able to turn teams over. Gotcha. Gotcha. I want, I want to finish, uh, one last question. I feel like I got to ask this because of, because of where we're at in, uh, college basketball, but, let me hear your your thoughts on the, uh, this new transfer rule that's probably going to get passed. Where, where do you where do you stand on that? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I think I think it's probably a long time coming. To be honest, I think uh, you know I think it's scary for a lot of you know non Power Five uh, programs. Um, but you know what? I, I think I think it makes sense for the student athlete. It's probably what's best for them. Uh, at Brown, uh, we have some interesting, uh, 
academic policies and in, 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 you know, which make it hard, which make it hard for us to take a guy uh, who has to sit out a year. Like, you know, you can't do 10 semesters at Brown. So like, it's hard to take someone who has to sit and then still get the maximum amount of time eligibility for that player. So, you know, we'll see. It could be a decent thing for us because, you know, if they don't have to sit, then we don't have to kind of sift through those academic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, semester policies that we have. Um, I, but at the end of the day, that's not as important as I think what, what's best for the, for the, for the student athletes. Um, it's a one-time thing. So if you're going to transfer more than once, then, then, you know, it, it, it won't, uh, help you. Um, but I think if they, you know, with so many guys in the portal now, I think, uh, you know, I think it's it's a it's a very real thing that had to be addressed, and for them to have the opportunity to play right away. You know, I know it's everyone's worried about free agency, but why shouldn't they have? I guess why shouldn't they have that opportunity if they're not happy? Yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, uh, what the, what you just said, what's best for the student athlete, is what's the the part that's getting me because. I also, I, I think it's going to happen. I think I'm not sure that it's not the right thing to happen. And the 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 idea that they get choice, you know, the argument is, ah, oh, coaches can leave; they don't have to sit out a year. And you know, in a lot of in a lot of businesses, there are non-competes where you can't yeah. leave and and do the same job. But my thing is, we're in an era of choice, which I get. And you're gonna you're gonna have now the choice to leave if you want to and not be penalized for it. But what's best for the student athlete? I know. I mean, we played around the same year, and I, 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 we've talked. You had a really good experience. I had a good experience. I think the overall experience is going to be worse. And what I mean by yeah. that is, like, I, I went through you know some ups and downs, you know, in in my career, and and uh, but they were with the same guys over the course of four years, and those you know a lot of those guys are still my best friends, and and I'm not saying you won't form friendships for one year, but um, I I can't see the camaraderie being the same as what we went through, and I'm sure if you asked a lot of your teammates and a lot of people that played when you know transferring wasn't as prevalent, the thing that they say they love the most 15 20 years later was the camaraderie and going through it with the same guys and the friendships built. And I just think that will be a little bit less. So to me, what's best for the student athlete, it's kind of that, that's what's tearing me apart because I want people to have that experience. But I also understand the choice that you should have in the world today. So, uh, you know, I, I know I asked you, maybe, and you might just gave my, my yeah. opinion off the No, phone. no. <laughs> I, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Maybe, maybe I should have phrased it. What's most fair. What's, what's the most fair thing for for the student athlete? Yeah. You know, maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's not what's best, but like, cause I know you guys at Colgate have had so much success with the guys who have benefited from sitting out and how many great players have you had who have transferred to you and had the benefit of sitting out a year uh, you know, I remember Matt always talking when we used to scrimmage you guys before we realized that going five hours for a scrimmage wasn't a great thing. Uh, but like, <laughs> but I remember him saying, we're, we're old. You know, we have a fifth year senior, uh, two fourth year juniors and, and they, that, that's how you guys have, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you disagree with me if you want, but it's, it's been so beneficial to you guys building, you know, the great program that you've built. Yeah, you're giving away our secrets here. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, obviously, if you look at our roster, you can figure that out. We we have gotten older um, over the years, and the year off has been greatly beneficial to all eight 
I think we're up to eight transfers, seven of which are all league. And um, my man Nelly Cummings, I think, got, got hosed this year, but I'm hoping he can eventually be all league. Um, and that year off was, for all of them, we saw significant growth. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to miss out on that. And I think um, that's going to, another thing that could hurt some guys. But, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's going to pass, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a free-for-all at first, but then it'll settle in, and, you know, I think uh, uh, it'll kind of work itself out. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens, as I'm sure you are too. I'm also a little worried that, you know, at, at our levels, the, the best players will just continually get plucked. Um, but it's already happening yeah. a little, so I guess. It's already uh, happening, though, no, it's already happened, and and we've had a couple guys that we didn't want to leave who were good players that have left and, and gone elsewhere. But uh, you know, I'd like to think you know uh, you know it, we've got enough great things about both of our schools, Brown and Colgate, and you know the programs that we have and the cultures that we're building. That uh, it's going to be hard for kids to leave, even if they can play right away. For sure, for sure. All right, well, Mike, I appreciate it. Um, uh, you know, I, I know this is uh, not exactly probably how you see it, but I, I think, um, you know, you guys have done a great job there, and, and uh, it, it, it's a tough league, um, but you've kind of packed before it the last couple of years, and, you, and you're you're getting there, and uh, unless you're in the know, you don't really know how hard that is, but, uh, but you know, keep it up, and, and I'm sure we'll see each other soon enough, hopefully, and uh, stay safe out there, and, and best of luck to you going forward. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for having me on. Stay safe, and uh, uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, and congrats on everything you guys have done up there. It's been, uh, I think Brown and Colgate have a lot of similarities in, in you know, how we, um, you know, maybe don't have the traditional resources as some of our peers in the league do, but uh, what you guys have done has been amazing, so congrats. Appreciate it, Mike. Uh, I'll talk to you. See you, buddy.